Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Now, as I start today's episode, welcome, first of all, everyone. I do have to give a little bit of Margin Call history. I don't know how many of our listeners have been with us from the start, but I think it's fair to say, uh, certainly Eming, our producer, would agree, it's been a rocky road. We took like our the ice time. Cream? Yeah. Mm, like the ice cream. Well, except I don't really like Rocky Road ice cream. So I it's don't, not like, it's I not don't either, dessert. but... <laughs> I don't really like any desserts with nuts in them. It just it kind of throws it off for me. Brownies. But I digress. It's been a rocky road, not the ice cream. Um, we, we, you know, we hit our stride. We know what we're doing now. We have a format. But like anybody, you know, you watch the first season of The Simpsons. It's kind of weird, you know? So if you go back and listen to the earliest Margin Call episodes, and I encourage you to do that, um, while we were finding our legs, we didn't really have topics. We just found out who was available, had them call into a Google Hangout, and then just kind of chatted, debated, uh, and went on tangents for an hour, hour and a half, as long as people wanted to stick around. And the audio and sucked. The well, quality. the audio was the not the best. quality was not what it is today. That was before I had this microphone. So all the audio was bad. Um, but what I mean more is the format, right? What's in our DNA is a very loose format. Uh, typically, we get people together from our crew and talk about whatever we want. And then, of course, we said we should be more serious. We should be journalistic. We should give ourselves some structure. And it worked. And it's part of the reason I think the show is so good today. You know, we select one or two guests. We have a topic. We have a reasonably um, facilitated conversation. Um, but every once in a while, we like to let it out a little bit. So this week, uh, we got together on Zoom because that's where people do things now. Uh, most of real life is taking place on Zoom uh, because we hadn't seen our old friend Travis in a long time. Eming and I were wondering where Travis was. Travis was wondering where I was. Travis was wondering where Eming was. So we got together and had a Zoom and we started talking. Uh, we weren't recording it. We were just having a Zoom. But Travis is just such a captivating guy that, you know, five minutes into the podcast, I was like, we got some good vibes going on here. This is just good energy. I say hit record. Uh, Eming agreed. Is that, is that about how it went? You said fine, whatever. I, What's I, the point? I and sighed. I let out a hearty sigh because it meant I have to work. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's true. A hearty <laughs> sigh. <laughs> and then I said mm. only if Travis is okay with it because I didn't want yes. him recording without him if he didn't want it. Yes, that's fair. true. That's a fair thing to do. Uh, and we liked it so much that we thought, let's turn this into an episode. And, and one, once more than that, not just turn it into an episode, let's turn it into a semi-regular feature. Uh, margin call off the record, which is a catchy name. I have off to give you credit. Off the rails. Off the rails. Off the rails implies that there's madness. Did you feel that there was madness in this conversation? I mean, we're always a little bit mad about we're something. We're always a little mad. I'll tell you what, since this is our first one, we'll have a little bit of time to decide off whether- the something, something. Off the record or off the rails. And by the time you're listening to this, you'll know because you will have already clicked on a link that said off the rails or off the record. We'll keep the people guessing. Um, but it was a great conversation. We love having Travis on the show. Usually he's our political correspondent um, because he's able to speak in such an enlightening uh, and condescending way about Democratic candidates for president. I think that's fair to say. You know, it's like, it's, he, I, you know, he has many gifts. Uh, and, and one of them is just finding the perfect three-word phrase to completely neutralize any human being in the world. <laughs> 
which mm-hmm. is, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a gift that I revere. I aspire to that level of neutralizing. Um, but sometimes we just want to hang out with Travis and find out what's going on in his life. Uh, and that led to a very hearty and comical conversation uh, that wound in and out of all kinds of subjects. But I would say more than anything, we got down to a discussion of personal archetypes uh, around the show Daria. Many of our listeners, I'm sure, are familiar with the show Daria. Other people might be more familiar with her as a character on Beavis and Butthead, which is where she originated, um, and where and who the Darias of the world are. Um, so I'm very, very happy, without further ado, to present our very first episode of Margin Call Off the Record slash Off the Rails, featuring our very special guest, Travis Montez, who is celebrating his half birthday. Happy half birthday, Travis. There was and, no cake, unfortunately. Well, yeah, there was no cake. I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of sex joke to be made there, but we did not have a birthday cake for Travis. <laughs> Is not, that not fair to say? Yeah. Eming's thinking about it. <laughs> All right. Eming's thinking. There's too oh many jokes. I can't. I can't. There's. I can't. I have to just. I know. It's hard. Say nothing. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> so for real, for real, without further ado, I introduce you to the inaugural episode of Margin Call, Off the Record, slash Off the Rails, featuring our friend, Travis Montes. Every, everything's janky now. That's, that's everybody's used Part to janky. Part of 2020. 2020 yeah. is a janky year. Yeah. People like it. Yeah. It's on, you know? You watch commercials, you know, everything, and, and yeah. people's kids walking in on meetings with no clothes on. Yeah. Reality is really hanging out these days. You know what I mean? <laughs> And people are fine with it. And speaking of reality showing up and virtual court, are you just shocked at like the level of squalor that many judges seem to be living in? <laughs> like I was expecting so, oak paneled rooms. All of our judges, um, or the judges that I have appeared in front of, have been gracious enough to give us a very limited view of their home lives. Um, except for one judge who was like basically in a closet with boxes. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on in your house that this is where you've decided? Is he moving? Was he moving somewhere? Um, It it could be somebody who has like four kids and there's just like no escape unless you padlock yourself. That has happened. I've certainly had a judge like screaming her child in the middle of like an appearance like go do your fucking homework she didn't say that but that was like what she wanted to say um did anybody try to take her kids away <laughs> no they did okay yeah. she's um, safe she's safe i sort of really appreciated because listen early on i was like i'm at home you are all sort of lucky that this is happening so a suit and tie is not occurring get over your no. home you're not wearing a, a suit and tie? No. You people are insane. You people are wow. insane. I have like a nice, I'm at home. I like wear like a, in the beginning, I would like wear a button down. But usually it's like, I wouldn't wear this, but I would wear like a nice shirt. I'm not putting a suit jacket on and a tie to sit in my fucking living room. You're insane. Travis, He's a Travis. rebel. I'm, I am full Donald Duck in it for every performance. Shirt tie, wool, suit jacket, and, and, and boxer shorts. That's insane. I am wearing, I'm not doing that. 
Well, I appreciate it because in the beginning, judges were in their robes in their living room and at their dining table. And I was like, you look in the appropriate backdrop i mean what, what i don't like is looking at all these judges houses this one judge had a dirty dog bed right behind her you know just like stuffing coming out of it and hair all over it you know i was like i don't trust your judgment you don't even clean your dog bed who are you to make decisions about other people's lives and you live in a crack den Yes, that's what I should have said on the record. Um, but no, I wear like a nice shirt and booty shorts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody's wearing booty shorts. Nobody knows what's going on halfway down. Well, especially because my... ACS, they tend to dress up because they're actually in their offices. Yeah. So they're at work. I'm at home in my living room. Wait, who's at work? ACS. Oh, right. They got to go to work. So they're appearing like they're at work. So they go to work. So they wear their work clothes. I am sitting at my coffee table in my living room, usually watching TV while everything is happening. So I am, um, if I appear at all, because sometimes I'm like video off and you better believe I'm like laying down. support that this is what i mean about the jankiness of 2020 it's like all the facades are gone yeah the facades are out the window starting with you know people's hair looking like shit not yours travis yours actually seem, no, I, I disagree this is a very like to me this is a very black scholar look you know what i'm saying like uh, like a, that's a bit peanut butter <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like it's natural, so it's a political statement. You know what I mean? You got some gray in there. You also have the glasses. It's just very like kind of James Baldwin to me. A little bit. It has worked for me. People are really loving it. Yeah, I mean, it really seems like you should be the one wearing the robe. You know what I mean? Not to age you or anything, but you know, I I would say throw the robe on, and I would walk in and be like, "Oh, okay." I'm over far better than I thought it would. My God, I've had four haircuts since since this shit started. Well, for, you know, Sophia was cutting my hair. She's doing a good job. And then as soon as my barbershop opened on the corner, I was like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to pop in there. Yeah. They had walk-ins. Yeah. So you guys got walk-ins? You're like, yeah, come on in. Barbershop right across the street. And I'm like, that's lovely. <laughs> also, this barbershop is tiny. The place I go, it's like a closet. Yeah. My barbershop's Astor Place. There's no fucking way I'm walking into Astor Place. I love Astor Place. Astor Place was my barbershop for years. I think that was ground zero of COVID in New York City. Yeah. (laughs) I do love Astor Place. And that place will not see me until 2021. Listen, I'm I'm so glad this came up because I have the same, I would hope the same affinity for Astor Place that you do. And I, as you know, I'm, I am, Fully, I, I like my risk aversion is just like I said. None. I'm not the person to add, right? None. None. No risk aversion, right? And germaphobia version of a of a baby, like a newborn deer. Yeah, <laughs> I, think that's a, I think this is a quote from Josue, but there's something like you know, I drink to drive. That's why I drink. Do you know what I mean? Like introduce more risk, right? So I'm not your person, right? Right. I follow all the rules because I don't want anybody else to get sick. So I mask up and I wash my hands, all that kind of. But in terms of concerns for my own safety, absolute bottom of the list, right? And germaphobe, 
I've been anti hand sanitizing ever since hand sanitizer first came out. But when I go to Astor Place, even before all this shit, I was like, bro, I'm catching something. I don't know what I'm catching today. You know, this was, I, I kept waiting. I've been using this quote a lot, but it seems like it would be a good thing for Astor Place Barber to say while he's cutting your hair. But, you know, ODB said, I'm not saying I got it, but if I got it, you got it, right? right. <laughs> I, I've been going to Astor Place since freshman year at NYU. Um, and I've had my current barber since maybe senior year at NYU. Wow. And NYU for you was uh, undergrad and law school? Oh, yeah. 1996. Yeah. Good God. 96. I was uh, I was locked up when you were uh, getting haircuts at Astro Place. I was at Astro Place. A little 18 year on me. And so. Arguably the only the only dirtier place to get your haircut than Astro Place is jail. <laughs> I think that's right. I think. And it's like super crowded at all times. Lots of people. Mm-hmm. Um, Nobody's sanitizing shit. Right. Like, Not a goddamn thing. I, I think like just recently they started to have those little machines that you put shit in to like sanitize. You know what I mean? They're not even plugged in. They like just happened. And I think only because I have like a fastidious Caribbean barber and see <laughs> like the one gleaming spot in this trash heap. Wait a minute. Can we just rewind so I can use that phrase really quickly? I've been trying to think of a, you know, I've been watching Hamilton, so I've been trying to think of, like, I want to write a musical, you know? So I, I think you I watched have my, it again? I think I have my title now for the musical I want to write. Fastidious Caribbean Barber. <laughs> that is the perfect way to describe him. Uh, I love that phrase. You're, you are a poet, Travis, it shows. <laughs> I'm just like, even you, I am not waiting through Astor Place to sit in your chair. I'm sure he'll have a mask on. I'm sure everything will be. But I was like, I have to get on the train to go to you, to walk through that lobby. I felt like I needed to wear a condom to go there normally. You think I want to go there now? A full body condom. Full fucking body condom. (laughs) I'm just like, I will have an afro. I may have dreads by the time you see me. <laughs> I would like that development, actually. It might happen. Yeah, man. You could really you could gear, already you could gear into, uh, I think, Toni Morrison territory very quickly. <laughs> I think that's right. She looks like, great, I'm man. It and my mother's like, you could twist that. And then she sent me twist sponges. So that's what I've been using. Wow. And it's well, that's why it looks thing. good. So I was like, oh, I guess this is like what people do. I had to learn how to care for black hair because I've never had any. <laughs> <laughs> Were you just, your whole life, you're just like, use a zero, use a zero. My whole life, it was just, like, it wasn't long enough to, like, really have to think about. Like, it was just sort of like, wash it when you shower and go on about your life. And now it's like, oh, you have to wash it, moisturize it. Wash it, let it dry, moisturize it, do something with it. And what, your whole life, have you been like an every two weeks haircut kind of guy? Wow. Yeah, my uncle does that, man. That's, you know, that's why you have to go to Astro Place because that's the only place you can get a $20 haircut. (laughs) Maybe three weeks, like whatever, but like, yeah. 
every payday. Well, it like, served you well, you know. Although I am, I am a fan of this, and I want to see how far it goes. It's gonna go pretty far because I am not stepping into a barbershop any fucking time soon. Maybe like the next election, you'll go to a barbershop. <laughs> 2024. Maybe. Yeah, once, once AOC. And it depends on who's elected. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll see. You'll wait. You'll be like, okay, it's going to be, you know, AOC versus uh, Jesse Ventura. And <laughs> if AOC wins, you'll go to the barbershop. <laughs> and if Jesse Ventura wins, you're, you're going to have to think about it. I'll go to a barbershop in Canada. <laughs> if they're taking Americans by then. Yeah, I don't think so, man. I think we persona non grata. The, in the whole world. We're the shithole country now. Yeah, it's like our country, our, our passport is like the ISIS passport now. <laughs> like, you show up at customs, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> Come into this room. <laughs> I have, like, you know, social media, like, makes the world smaller. So, like, I know people, you know, I am now talking to people all over the world. Um, and I have a friend in New Zealand who's like, really? I haven't figured this out. He's like, you don't, and this is what I was saying to Amy, we don't actually have to figure it out. We can just do what other people did. Actually, you know what? Fuck that. New Zealand's got more sheep than people. They got plenty of room. There's no population density there. Okay. I don't, I don't want to hold up the New Zealand example. You're, you're, you're tapping and into you my, do Japan then? You're, you're tapping into my defensive patriotism. You want to do Japan then? You want to do Japan? Pick a country. You have the whole fucking world to choose from. I don't know. Sweden, man. Sweden botched it. I mean, fine. Brazil. Brazil botched it. Brazil hasn't us. Brazil has a Trump president. Brazil president has it. They were just following our lead. That's how they got played so hard. We love America. Yeah. Yep. COVID and AIDS. That's what we be. Us in Brazil can't get right. (laughs) I can't wait. That would be a good summit. Like the Brazil... U.S. COVID AIDS summit. Everyone, everyone would be ill. And it would be like, uh, it doesn't kill everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's the tagline. Like, <laughs> it it doesn't kill everyone. Good point. Eming, I can't help but notice that we haven't discussed your hair yet. What are your uh, beauty maintenance solutions? Where's your kidnapped partner? He's in the other room editing Josue's video. Wait, hold on. Minnie's been kidnapped? No. Or do you mean just like stop? I I posted a picture of him. I guess it was his birthday, and he was hold. I I made him. I made him uh, a pie, I think, and I and I made him hold it up, and he made this look, and he made this facial expression. And I posted it. Travis is like, is he being held captive? Because it looked like he was being held, and technically he is being held captive. Technically, technically, As are we all technically? Art people. Um, I mean, here's the other thing men have picture taken, so yes, yes, he does. And yes. even though it was his birthday, you were like, Eat the cake, Tina. He's been on this ride for nine years, he knows what's up. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like, uh, I celebrate my half birthday, so I was like, "What is this anxiety that this man <laughs> has on his birthday?" So much. I if did. you met him, you would understand. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, Wait, he's never all right. 
He's never all right. It's fine, man. Men, men found his place in the world. Men found his inner peace. But th- there is a dash of Patty Hearst going on in there. Where he's, he's got... Wow. <laughs> okay. Patty. Well, you know, he's he's a man, so he understands that one of the sacrifices you have to make is in, in having a life partner is just like, you know, compromising uh, your most deeply held beliefs. You know what I mean? And he's he has made peace with that. Yeah. On our first date, he said to me, I don't want to have kids. I don't want to get married. And I was like, I'm not trying to like wedge you up like right now. I was like, what the fuck? That's what I mean about men, though. <laughs> men are such a savage. Who would say that on a first date? So... The amount of things he said to me in the first five months, I was like, wow, <laughs> you're special, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I think you're lucky. Mm. You're lucky because for most people, that shit comes out 10 years later. Yeah. And it's usually True. like, I'll fuck you, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to, I'm out. No, but, the, but the best one was he like was dressed up for some event and he was like, well, if you want to go somewhere nice, it, this, 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 this is not happening again. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, <so> he, <laughs> he was like, this is your only chance. Yeah, to I was like, did you really just say that window. to me? I was like, wow. I was like, okay, I you, you are different. <laughs> you're you're not like, all oh. about it. I mean, you can't have a better partner. Like, yeah, sure. Even if the things they're saying actually aren't the things that you want or whatever, then a person who is just like, I don't like this. I don't want to do that. Like, this is what's up. You know what I mean? Like, I'll be nice to you and I love you and all that kind of shit, but I'm not into this. Because what happens is most people don't say those things. And then, you know, the relationship just turns into a cauldron of resentment. Uh, and then it ends in the way that, you know, every relationship we've ever seen that went before us goes. You know what I mean? You're, you're lucky Is this person. our first podcast COVID episode? I mean, podcast, uh, love COVID episode. <laughs> love, it, love. love during COVID, love over love time in COVID. COVID. Oh, you know, I was thinking about love in the time of COVID today because I was uh, running some errands and I walked past like a neighborhood bar. And, you know, New York City's got things set up where, like, you could sit outside at a table and, you know, um, which is, is, first of all, really funny because most of these are pretty shitty bars are like kind of divey, you know, and most of the time, all that really depressing divey like scene is, is hidden. You know what I mean? you got to be a part of the dive to see how dark the dive is. But now diving outside, diving outside and they look just it's just as depressing as I remember it or depressing in sunlight. Yeah, yes, it really, they're, they're both, they're, everybody out there was like, oh, God, they were like, they were like Nosferatu, you know, <laughs> <laughs> trying to block the sun. <laughs> There's a bar on the first floor of this building, and they moved outside, and, and actually all the way to, like, the, there's no parking, they're, like, in the streets. Um, and they are, an, they are an unfortunate looking group of people. Like, yeah, man. Look like trolls. You look no, like I want to see bar trolls in the light of day. You look like you're eating billy goats crossing a bridge. That is what <laughs> <laughs> Who's that trip trapping on <laughs> Well, I mean, all that aside, I'll, I'll just, I have already set the scene for you. So there's a table of those trolls. They're all men. Uh, they're all kind of like white middle-aged like working class guys you know they got Mets hat on they got like a 
you know, kind of like an electrician's shirt. You know, they seem like fine guys, the kind of guys you've seen in a bar, but those kinds of guys, right? Big, big guts, all of them. Yeah. Uh, 9-11 tattoo. Every single one of them has a 9-11 tattoo on their bicep. So that'll, that'll give you a sense of who these guys are. And then, uh, like, you know, one table away, really separated. Never by forget. They were, yes, these guys will never forget. <laughs> They'll be blackout drunk. They're still talking about 9-11. Uh, one one part, partition away, there's a table with two very young, probably like just 21 girls, cute kind of betches. You know what I mean? Kind of like Gen Z kind of, but you know, they seem like nice girls, whatever, but like very much of that world with their, you know, gay best friend, right? And they were the only people sitting out there. And I was like, listen, man, everybody is so lonely and so horny that those two parties are going to merge and I can't wait to see what I, I would just want to hang out here to see how that actually goes down. Cause they're not, you know, they're going to keep drinking. Global orgy that's about to take place. <laughs> over The coital rampage that this nation is about to go through. <laughs> yeah. That's a good question here. Let me put my journalist hat on really quickly. Travis, do you think you're going to get a haircut first or try to get laid first? I get Laid. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good answer. <laughs> it's actually the wrong. Have been getting laid. Let me just. <laughs> Travis, shame on you. All this talk. Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, risk averse, and, uh, you know, I'm a middle aged black man, and I can't take any risks. Meanwhile, he's got a revolving door at his apartment. I was not revolving. <laughs> I was partnered, <laughs> sir. It's just, it's not revolving, but it's one of those like swinging kitchen right. doors that you would have like at a sitcom. Right. <laughs> Jeez, Russell. <laughs> one, one entrance. Yes. One, entrance, one, one must leave before the next enters. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Like a take a ticket situation? No. It was one ticket. It was just one ticket. One ticket. Multiple <laughs> <One laughs> <ticket>. rides. <laughs> this ticket grants you. Lifetime pass to one person. <laughs> and Which, that uh, yeah. was like three months of not. And then we were like, listen, we're in phase two. <laughs> phase two. That sounds significant. Does that mean uh, that means a revisiting, a defining of the relationship? Is uh... no, I mean when, when New York entered phase two. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah. we can have sex now. It's been months. Oh, so that's what you were waiting for was was phase two. So I remember this. Governor Cuomo was actually on TV, and you know he was saying, "Well, we're going to open restaurants, well, coffee shops, uh, certain safe businesses, and." Uh, Travis Montez of Brooklyn will be allowed to have a coital visit <laughs> as part of Face Two. Have some conjugal. Have some yes. Yes. I'll also be allowing booty calls, uh, provided that the people have been texting for at least two months. <laughs> it was one per. It was my partner. <laughs> yes, that is that is not a booty call. That's a partner who's coming over. That means you you know you opened your bubble, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Travis. I'm sorry. You, you, you are my muse for um, a sophomore humor. 
I don't think that's true. I think you just have sophomore humor. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Yep. This would be happening if I were here or not. Whoever was in this place. Yep. This would yep. be occurring. No, yep. no, no. Enjoy yourself. Ordinarily, I am a model of maturity and decorum. I object. <laughs> I object. Right? I'm actually. I don't like being seen like this. <laughs> I've in fact met you. That's true. That's true. We have met. We have met. <laughs> Can't really pull a fast one on you at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of a Schrodinger's cat situation. It could just be only when you're around, you know. No, I don't think that's true. Changed by your gaze. <laughs> the Travis gaze. Uh, that's true i do like that uh journalistic thought i mean before the global orgy i did just like imagining like a lot more people are going to be having sex with people they wouldn't have had sex with otherwise like law school (laughs) (laughs) that is a very niche joke but it is excellence (laughs) there's a law school cute curve you just sort of gotta <laughs> like, hey man, cute. Yeah, we're gonna be here for a while, so a lot of time with those people. <laughs> I would not consider this <laughs> Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> similar. Yeah, I was gonna say jail, you know, uh, but I guess jail. all you of those are a whole. Bunch of things in jail. Yeah, sure <laughs> Probably in Ohio in law school too. You'd be like, actually, you know what? Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I have it on great authority, but it's not dissimilar. <laughs> I have some anecdotal experience that leads me to believe you are correct, sir. Yeah, there it is. There is a lot of overlap in that Venn diagram. If we have yeah. the insular communities, I guess <laughs> is what we're talking about. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I, I just like framing it that way because I'm an optimistic person. So I'm always thinking like, Hey man, one day this shit's going to be over and that's going to be fun. No matter what it looks like, even if it's like, it causes the eighth wave, which is the worst wave of all, <laughs> it's going to be fun. It could be fun for a couple of tsunami then happens. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. The global white party takes place. <laughs> the global white party. <laughs> wow. Travis, it is a joy. I'm kind of zoning in and out. I'm I'm feeling like, oh, wait, are we doing a podcast? Should we be talking about something specific? And then I'm like, oh, no, we're just hanging out. (laughs) This this doesn't happen very often. It is is very (laughs) in line between us hanging out and us having a podcast in some way. There are no boundaries. (laughs) What are boundaries anymore? Yeah, that's true. Boundaries are gone, man. I mean... They are, some boundaries are so much firmer than any other boundary and other ones have just disappeared forever. Yeah. I like, it. you know, I'm kind of rolling with it. I think culturally, yeah, I just. This is sort of like, you, what have you been waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really dark way to put it, but um, uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I could answer that. I could answer that and I'll choose not to. <laughs> It's hard to say. You are uniquely situated to thrive in a global pandemic. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Like a like a subway rat. Or <laughs> or or a cockroach in a nuclear holocaust. A New York pigeon. 
you know, yeah. You're doing fine. <laughs> this is this is my time to shine. You're doing great. You're doing great, sweetie. You're doing great. I just think, you know, I mean, part of this is informed by my, you know, uh, under just very basic scientific understanding uh, leading up to the pandemic, which was, you know, a vaccine is just kind of like a low level exposure to something that kind of like makes it easier for you not to get it, you know? And when I, I learned about viruses, you know, that book, Guns, Germs, and Steel, did either of you guys ever read that book or they had a documentary about it? It's very interesting. It's about, basically, it's just like, uh, it's about white, it's about white empires and colonialism and like what technology was like informed the successes of the, well, quote unquote, successes of those empires, depending on what perspective of history you're taking. But a big part of it was regions in the Middle East, you know, people had, it was the first place that um, animals were domesticated, you know, like when people first started, you know, like keeping pigs and cows to kill them and shit. And they have tons of diseases, but so many people got exposures to those diseases that there were immunities to these diseases and all these indigenous populations around the world didn't have immunities, blah, blah, blah. Flash forward, Russell, 20 years old, willing to take every risk and expose himself to every possible ailment. You know, it's like mad cow came out. I was like, I'm going to have a cheeseburger every meal because, you know, ground beef has meat from more cows in it. So I'm kind of like increasing my exposure and maybe by a low level exposure, this, you know, this would, if if this were something that I wasn't doing in the year 2000, you would think I was like a crazy QAnon person, but I wasn't a crazy QAnon person. I was just a crazy person. And I also thought, how many germs and dicey situations can I expose myself to in order to strengthen my immune system? And uh, I'm not so deluded that I think that uh, my immune system is necessarily prepared for this situation, but my fractured psyche is. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly what I meant. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know I took a very long time to say what you managed to say very succinctly, but you are a poet and I'm a poet. Batman and Gotham, <laughs> like that. The show, <laughs> or the no, just I the place. Created oh. Batman, and then they just fed off each other. Yeah. That's how I think of you in this moment. Yeah, Batman, Batman couldn't exist anywhere else. I mean, anytime no. you, you put Batman in Metropolis, and he's like, "This place is fucking whack." You know what I mean? He's like, "I got the sun is always shining." You know what I mean? Yeah, it's corner. Ah. Yeah. He's like, I need everything to be rotten to the core so that I can really feel myself. <laughs> Thank you. I like that analogy, actually. I will take my billions and make gadgets. <laughs> yes. I will not, for example, create basic income from people. No, no. He wasn't interested in that. By jumping you know, off the it's, it's funny you should say that because there's there's got to be a very, very good think piece in when we're talking about defund the police, right? Uh in Bruce Wayne's thinking about how to fix Gotham. You know what I mean? Bruce Wayne's thinking about how to fix Gotham was just like, save, how to save Gotham. Yeah, save Gotham is just beat people's asses. Just beat everybody's ass, right? I mean, he did some other things. He's a smart guy. He had cool gadgets, but, you know, he never it never occurred to him, like, you know, like Arkham Asylum. You know, he's like, hey, what if I, like, made that a nice place where people who with mental illness got some care. You know what I mean? For I didn't have an asylum in 2020. What is... <laughs> Truly. Why do we need some Yeah. Why don't we try instead of Arkham Asylum, you know, so like a deinstitutionalization, I'll build mental health. That's the view of when you're trying to save something as opposed to empower it. Yeah. 
That's true. He didn't want to empower them. He wanted to save them. That's a different thing. And that is a, a white savior complex. Yeah. You know what? I, I like this. I want, I would like to order a transcript. Let me hoard my resources so I can be the answer. Yeah. Because I'm the only one who knows what's right for this town. Wow, man. Travis, can we collaborate on this in some way? I think there's a way to uh, really make this happen. Nerd. Uh, yeah, me too, man. I've always really been a Batman person. I mean, I, when I was a kid... Look at face. Look at Amy's face. She could not be more disgusting. <laughs> uh, anytime I get really excited about something or I have an idea or I'm inspired, like her She's response is... by your joy. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, a, you know, she rolls her eyes and, you know, well, you can finish that when you finish all the pieces that you owe me. You know what I mean? It turns into, it's like a very, like a dream. When did I, say that? When did I last say that? I think, you know, whenever I, I get a little ambitious, you know, you say like, well, you can't even handle this, so good luck with that. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, Excuse I me for my that. realism. Well, that's one way to, to call it, I guess. Realism. <laughs> Everyone needs a Daria. That's true. That's true. I was a fan I of I am the Daria for everyone in my life. So I do recognize it and I appreciate it. But was Daria a dream killer or was yeah. she Killjoy? Because those are different. She was both of those things. Don't box her in. <laughs> well, Daria, I mean, Daria, I thought was just like my understanding because I had many Darias in my life. You know, I, I bonded very Everyone's well. Everyone's a Daria compared to you. But that's true. Everyone is a Daria compared to me. <laughs> but I, I bonded very well with a lot of like Darias in my life in school because uh, we were very appropriate foils for each other. You know, to, to use another Batman analogy, like you know what I mean. Like I was a Joker and they were Batman. You know, like uh, and we needed each other, right? <laughs> Two sides of the same coin. Because they're usually my in my experience, Darias were like very smart people and people who knew that. Uh, the world was full of shit and including the teachers, you know, it's like we had that in common. I was like, you know, you might not agree with my tactics, but we do agree that the world is full of shit, including the, the, te the teachers or, you know, slash authority. So there is a lot of overlap there. But, you know, I never knew a Daria. That, well, you know what? You're right. Darius did say I would never amount to anything. I take it back. You mean you're a Daria. <laughs> That's a compliment. Darius How is that a compliment? You just said, I, I don't think you can amount to anything. Seriously? No, no, no. I said that the Darius told me I couldn't amount to anything. And then by extension, I thought that some of your, you know, enthusiasm, uh, Try dampening, dampening falls under Daria behavior. I, I, you know, I'm willing to hear a counter argument. I don't have the energy to give you a counter argument, honestly. That is so Daria. You don't even know how Daria you are. That is the most Daria response. That's exactly what Daria was in. You walked right into it. You're not even worth my energy. <laughs> I just don't have it to give you. That's all. Oh, no. Loud and clear. I got the message. I love it. I don't have a higher compliment than Daria. That's true. I, I have a tremendous amount of love and respect for the Darius of the world, man. Where would we be without them? And when are we going to get I, our Daria president? I too, Daria. Do you, Daria? You do, Daria. Do you, Daria? You're, you know what? I feel like uh, you are 
even your level of SAS is so outrageous that it elevates you from a Daria into a separate species of your own, I believe. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> like Daria's are very smart and dry and sarcastic, but you're, you're, you're operating on another level, Travis. Because <laughs> my SAS makes me popular in a way that then I get a pass for all of my joy aversion. Yeah, that's true. It's a good antidote. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you're you're roasting everyone. They don't realize I'm being mean to them. They think I'm kidding. And I'm like, oh no, I really meant every word I just said. (laughs) That's one of my favorite games too. (laughs) What'd you say? That's one of my favorite games too. Wait a minute, I can't tell if you're ridiculing me or not. (laughs) I am, I am. You're on the side of caution. (laughs) (laughs) Assume I hate you. Yeah. Survey says. <laughs> oh, yes. No, I mean it's it's also part of the reason I think that Eming and I are such a good partnership because I am I really do have unbridled uh optimism. It is part of my like no <laughs> version, you know what I mean? I'm just like we can do anything. Let's do this right now. This is gonna be great. Everything's gonna work out fine. A nice whole world exists. Yeah. I guess so that's true. I guess the majority of our first like, two months was like me saying no to things. I'm like, no, I don't want to be a VR company. <laughs> no, it's stupid. I don't want to do that either. No, it's like that's the thing about a Daria is like if you're really, really listening, 85% of the time, Daria is the voice of reason. Daria is 100% right. Yeah. Maybe 80%. Maybe 80. The great thing about Daria is that they tend to pay a lot of attention. Mm hmm. Um, and remember things that when you have unbridled enthusiasm, sometimes you don't remember or notice or see. <laughs> yeah, but then that there, that is a level of pettiness that is not helpful. You know what I mean? That is a level of pettiness that is just... <laughs> it is helpful to everyone else around you trying to survive you. Only if you call I'm not it petty. worried about anybody else around me. There you go. <laughs> Get it? That makes Daria's and their memories and their noticing all the more important. That's true. That's true. We do need that. You know, I kind of feel like this is a good moment because we have so many. I'm not trying to have a whole conversation about Karens, but we have so many names now, like actual women's and actual men's names that we use to like categorize and classify and and sometimes unfairly dismiss whole groups of people. Um, but I, so I, I'm not terribly fond of that trend, although there, it does have its merits. But I think somewhere out there, there's room for a coffee mug that says, more Darius, less Karens. You should go copyright that. Make it on Zazzle or Etsy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like think about what, what good leaders Darius would be. We, we haven't had any... And how consistent Karen behavior is. It's true. I mean, it needed a name. It needed a name. I, that's why I said I didn't want to have. But the, the shocking piece for me is like, I think we've all seen like the recording, the posting, the person's life ruined. And yet it still happens. Every person is like, I'm not going to be the one, but when I stop this black Postmates <laughs> delivery person from making a delivery in my building, <laughs> I am shocked. 
<laughs> my life is ruined. Yeah. Like, don't record me. I want you to get rid of that recording. Yeah. Because you know what's about to happen because it keeps happening. That should then stop you from the action. I mean, I don't think any Karen ever thought she was a Karen. Right. Of course not. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's why would really, they assume that in themselves? Well, because part of being a Karen is, is being oblivious, having low self-awareness. You know what I mean? So there's no way. It's kind of like how I used to think, you know, back in the hipster age, everybody's like, what is a hipster? What's the definition of a hipster? And no and, hipster would ever admit that they were a hipster. Yeah, exactly. I would say any like anybody who says fuck hipsters is a hipster. Right. That was my kind of like definition at the time. Uh, and I would say, you know, a kind of a slant comparison, but perhaps Karen's are the hipsters of our age <laughs> in terms of just like, God, they keep showing up. She's showing up. It just are, won't go away. Managers. They are really the dominant culture. If you, if you think of, in terms of aesthetic, you know what I mean? Like all of that, like gather, eat, home, you know, all those like domestic tchotchkes that have now seeped into advertising. It's like everything is being marketed to the Karen, you know what I mean? Which is a big part of the problem because that's what leads to Karen entitlement. And I think, you know, 10 years ago, everything was being marketed to the hipster. So there's another think piece. This is an, this is now an editorial meeting. Feels like it. <laughs> Karen's are the hipsters of 2020. I feel like someone should be writing this down. <laughs> it's recording. I feel like a Carlson request. Yeah. I mean, this is where the magic happens, folks. <laughs> unbridled conversations. You like unbridled a lot. I'm going to need you to bridle every now and then. <laughs> He doesn't know how. <laughs> that was such a Daria thing for you to say, Travis. Yeah. While you're making up. banana bread, learn to bridle. <laughs> I'm not really big on the bridle, my friends. <laughs> we know. It's a muscle. Know. Just work it out. Metaphorical or otherwise. No bridle. That's true. <laughs> well, you know. I mean, if it's playful. <laughs> I do like games. <laughs> Yeah. Fine, fine, fine. I won't, I won't say the next sentence I wanted to say, Eming. What? I got, I got your look. I saw that look. I saw that Daria look. Don't what say the next look? sentence. That's my, that's my always look. That's how I always look. What are you talking about? I have a look of general disapproval. <laughs> like resting Daria face. I yes. think is- <laughs> I, I know how I you don't need to tell me how my face looks like. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know how long I've worked on this look? Exactly. <laughs> Pride and true. Yes, this look says everything I need to say. Yes, think about how much energy it saves me. Yes. All the energy I'll be wasting saying things to you. Yep. <laughs> I don't need to talk. Can we get you? I mean, now I feel like, you know, that's just a good Halloween costume, you mean? Daria? I've been Daria before. You just weren't here for it, I don't think. You were in New York. No. Yeah. Look at him. He's so upset. You were Daria. I was Daria. That's her sway. I went to work as Daria. There's a picture of me and him. And I'm Daria. I surprised. Nothing about this should surprise me, but it just... No, you, I've been Daria multiple times. I don't know where you've been, but it was not in the city. And I knew that, and I didn't even have to ask that. <laughs> Oh, burn. <laughs> Here, I'll find one and send it to you. I know I have it oh, somewhere. Oh my goodness. Can I know it's on, <laughs> on Facebook. 
Yeah. It's I know Adario very, very far back, but it's there. Yeah, I thought you knew, but I guess never, never mind. I should never assume things. I should have known. I should have known. I no, should have known a, the way Travis knew. I have a let's without see. needing any photographic evidence. Well, or, it's okay, Russell, because there was gotta there, pay attention. <laughs> there was a gap of time where we weren't like talking, so it's fine. It makes it doesn't sense. Matter. My brain should be able to fill in those gaps. <laughs> no, <laughs> not all the gaps can be filled. The That's what she said. Filled in that gap. I think is a pretty easy one to yeah, fill. I've known you for three minutes, and I filled that gap in. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I'll find it. I'll find it. Maybe Daria recognizes Daria. Maybe that's why it is. Yeah. That well, speaking sense. of Halloween, does that mean that there won't be any festivities? Does that mean I already have to start? I don't have to come up with a reason not what to go out. What are you out? going to do? Yeah, well, well, I don't, I don't know what, what, what are you going to do? You know, when I was a kid, I'll tell you this. When I was a kid, Halloween was my, my favorite holiday um, because you know, it was uh, essentially like, you know, the social contract was extended to include mischief. You know what I mean? Which was which was very important to me. So it was like, okay, like, can I still find some uh, firework? <laughs> the rest of the time. Well, it just seemed like, you know, I've kind of always been waiting for, uh, you know, the French Revolution in a sense. You know what I mean? So I, I Halloween felt was the closest I thought I might be able to get to it as a nine-year-old. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't see any guillotines yet, but I thought like rotten eggs was a good start, you know? Or, you know, flaming bags of shit. You know, it's just like that kind of stuff was very important to me. I have a strong affinity for mischief. Let's so check your phone. Uh, and then, oh, is it coming? I guess. Oh, <laughs> it's better than I thought. <laughs> With the paper and everything. Better yep. than I ever I think I think Josue it. took that picture and I just photoshopped it together. Wow. <laughs> better than I ever could have. Wow. That is very impressive. That is. If, if, we, if we are able to uh, cobble together something to share with people from this recording, <laughs> I would assume that this photograph would be. Well, like your shock of not knowing that I was that for Halloween is enough. I'm not shocked. It's just like so uncanny. Do you know what I mean? It's, we were it's like, like ah! that shock. <laughs> Like, what? Well, I just, you know, I thought maybe it would have come up earlier in the conversation when we were discussing whether you were a Daria or not, and you seemed a little resistant to it. Because I think often when you get called Daria, for me, people mean it as they meant it in the Misery Chick episode of Daria. Mm. Yes. That yes. Season. That's like what? Season one? Listen. And you're like, no, I'm just observant and the best fucking friend you'll ever have. This should be. I hope that this this tidbit is revealing in the way that it's intended to be. But my understanding and interpretation of Daria is fully shaped by her appearances on Beavis and Butthead. Oh, uh, that's you, it. I mean, like, Did no, you watch no, the I mean, actual like, series? Then? Yes, of course. I watched oh. the series, but I'm saying, like, if we're thinking about when opinions were formed, I am using. A a, mm. a butthead lens. You know what I mean? Like I am the butthead to her Daria. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Actually, can put this in some really profound ways. Actually, I never thought of it like that. But you're right. But not, does it? Not bad. It like clicks right into place. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. See it. Yeah. 
but you're less butt heady than you were when you were 23 if that helps i would hope that we are all less butt heady than we were when we were 23 <laughs> oh travis i have a photo for you that you'll appreciate i have to go find it again though doing at 23 does anyone know <laughs> yeah you were uh, taking advantage of law school students who were willing to try new things <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what i was doing at 23 <laughs> or was i being taken advantage of don't you try to turn that around that's not what he said <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to start giggling, and I think that's an appropriate response. What was really funny is NYU Law School is the most homophobic place I've ever been, and I grew up in the Black Church of the South. <laughs> You're telling me that law school at NYU was more the homophobic and racist place I've ever been in my life than, hmm. than Tennessee in the 80s? Travis, well, there's there's another think piece we've we've got to assign to you. <laughs> I, Wait, pray tell. Literally, I don't know if you know anything about law school at all, but like when you you in that time you got sort of like a summer internship after your second year of law school that if went well was essentially the place that you would work after your third year of law school, and you interviewed for those places. And it's sort of like dependent on your grades and how you interviewed mm -hmm. and you get offers. And most people have like between five and 10 offers to choose from. I got zero offers. I am someone who has gotten every job that I've ever applied for and interviewed for. I got no, Daria. zero offers, none. I think I interviewed at 25 places. I got no offers. Um, and the interview process was horrific. One interview they prayed during my interview what well, what, is that? what does that mean you can, you can certainly mirror that can't you they uh they like they pray, like they were like i am from a suburb in nashville called antioch and the person was like oh antioch's from the bible it's where the first christian i was like i i know but what an odd sort of way to be talking about in our interview and he was just sort of like and sometimes we have prayer at the office let's have a prayer now oh my god was waiting for that reaction <laughs> it does make the butthead reference i thought so i thought that would help it does yes. bring home in a way Butthead and Daria, circa 2004. Um, the, the Black Law Student Association would not let me join because I was gay. Mm. Well, how clearly did they communicate that to you? So all you had to do to join was be added to the listserv. They never added me to the listserv, despite me asking multiple times for three years. So I never got any of the information. Um, and at the national convention, lots of people were talking about how they would not vote for or elect people who were gay or lesbian. Wait, the national convention you're talking oh. about? So these are black attorneys. These are black law school students. Black law school students. Well, is that a reflection of black law school students or is that a reflection of 
NYU or both? I mean, a lot of those people who supported that were Black law school students from NYU. Yeah. Well, that's dark. Yeah, it was an awful time. I can imagine. It's the most homophobic and racist place I've ever been. And this is a person who grew up in Antioch, Tennessee, which I've never been there, but it sounds like the kind of place that might not be gay friendly. It's just a suburb of Nashville. It's just outside. It's Nashville. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, I, I would only say that was surprising, but the only thing more surprising than that, although is surprising the right word? No, it's not the right word. Uh, is that, were the, did, was this place where they wanted to pray with you, was that in New York City? Oh, was the law firm in New York City? No, it was in Atlanta. I was in it. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a tricky one, man. Never a good idea. But it, you know what I mean? <laughs> just yeah. never a good idea. Because you, this could be a test. It was just sort of like in nine, in 2000, it was like, you can do one or the other. We ain't getting both. Of those. You can be <laughs> black or gay. We ain't, you ain't walking up in here in corporate America. Both of those things. We'll never be able to fire you. <laughs> I'm sure that's the motivation. I was, it was in various ways in the questioning, it became super clear. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you could be a, a represented class in two separate discrimination lawsuits. <laughs> and I wanted to be a litigator. So a lot of them were sort of like, I think the assessment was, can we put this gay black person in front of a jury for our clients? Like, will our clients let this person do document review and in their corporate law firm? So they were sort of like a twofer. We don't know. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah, I think when you told the story, I assumed you were at some New York City law firm and they wanted and they wanted to pray. And I thought, I mean, wow. we were in New York City at the time. Yeah. yeah. So it's just sort of like one of those things where you interview it like like they have different rooms and you go to room to room, like you schedule it and you go room to room to interview with all these different people. So you do like 10 interviews in one day. It's speed dating. It's speed dating. Like it's speed dating. Yeah. Um, and there was some of the... It was the first time that I had my first experiences interviewing with people who were just clearly not interested in me. And in fact, resentful that they had to see me. Wow. Resentful. And like one guy was sort of like resentful of like the jobs that I had had because I had always worked and mm -hmm. they were pretty good jobs. And he was like, well, I guess no rain falls in your life. Yikes. This is actually hostile. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I am being demeaned for having good work experience. <laughs> the nerve, Travis, the nerve. Yeah. You're gonna need to bridle your ambitions. He felt like I had gotten lots of chances as a minority, because it's like sort of like all over my resume of like, this program was like for minority students. I was part of the MLK Scholars. Yeah. I was a studies major, and he was just like. Your resume is too black. I'm like, huh, right here <laughs> in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> you we yeah. will not hire you yeah i mean those are the the snake in the grass moments i guess that's the rebecca Solnit phrase you know that she in her men explain things to me essay 
And right? I, um, she says she's thankful for moments like that because that's when like you finally see the snake. Like you're always afraid there's a snake in the grass, but then you're like, oh shit, there's a snake. Rattling. Like, the snake is rattling. Yeah. And so we have like a whole like a you know NYU wants its students to get hired, so there's a whole career office, right? And so they were just they would call me in and sort of be like, we can't understand why you're not getting offers. All of your reviews are great. You interview and they make you do like a boot camp, like an interview boot camp before you like even sit down. So like, you know, people rated me very well. I just didn't get any offers. And they're like, we can't explain why. I was like, no, you don't have any idea? No clue? I have a couple. I can give you a couple clues. <laughs> they're like, your grades are great? What happened? Yeah. I was like, I didn't like go in drunk, if that's what you're saying. I was like, why? <laughs> it's kind of like, I mean, it's a jigsaw puzzle. If the the jigsaw puzzle had two pieces that just like went right next to each other, it's that and kind of a puzzle. It created a clear picture <laughs> of exactly what's happening. I mean, and thank God, because I would not, I would have gone crazy at a firm. I would like developed a righteous coke addiction and OD'd in like a couple of years. Yeah, naturally, which would have been a fine way to go. I think. I mean, sad. Yeah. Not my path. I'm a fan of the blaze of glory, as you might imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if I wanted to go out on a coke bender, I wouldn't want to do it at my law firm office. Yeah, that's true. There are a lot more fun places to do that. Correct. I yes, I know. Yeah, I mean, using drugs to do your job more kind of defeats the purpose of drugs, yeah. in my opinion. Not every, but a lot of mm. my friends and firms are like, I have Coke delivered to the office because I live here. Yeah. Wow. I have yeah. a friend who's like, I've worked every day for the last six months, including, and like Christmas was in there. He's like, yeah. I've worked Christmas. In fact, he went out on a date to a play, and he had to go back to the office after the play. <laughs> I was like, maybe I, maybe I made it just fine. <laughs> maybe the that prayer worked. Maybe that fucking prayer worked. Yeah, yeah. The, the God heard heard your prayers. He's like, oh shit, Travis is about to take yeah. a perfect job. Yeah. The public interest. Yes. Yeah, God saw what was going on in the interview room. He said, oh no 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 no. It would have happened years earlier. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Eming, I gotta, I'm gonna, I gotta go because I'm gonna go watch baseball in a minute. But can we have a quick nerd conversation? Because I thought of you yesterday when I was having. Well, first I have to ask Travis: Are you a Star Wars person or no? No. Do you watch them? You're at watching all? baseball, by the way. That's opening <laughs> day. Baseball happened. Oh, right, 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 right. You have watched Star Wars. General statement. Okay. I okay. think Star Wars is far better than anything else. That's what, that's what I was going to say. That's what this whole conversation was wow. <laughs> the exception of any episode involving a being. Wait. You're saying Rogue One is the best one? No, I'm, I said, I was talking about Clone Wars. Oh, Clone Wars. Clone Wars. I thought you said Rogue One. Sorry, I got so excited I interrupted you. In the movies, work. I do, yeah, Rogue One's pretty good. I was, yeah. But I think Clone Wars is the best Star Wars offering that I have seen, excluding any reference to Jar Jar Binks. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I think any minstrelsy. It's minstrelsy. <laughs> any conversation about 
Star Wars has to begin with a preamble, which is even though we accept and understand that Jar Jar Binks is a part of this franchise, he shall not be named. And will, not be named. And will not enter into the decision making of the value of any respective film. I've never seen a character that was able to make fun of the black diaspora completely. <laughs> like, I'm just going to get it all in there Africa, the Caribbean, the Fuck you all. Fuck you all. I got you all in one person. It's kind of a good, you know what? It's actually, this is all a good in one. This is Am a good enslaved person. Am I, what? I don't know. Did I come from a plantation planet? A lot of interesting things are happening right now uh, <laughs> in light of the Black Lives Matter movement, including removing Aunt Jemima and taking the name off of Aunt Jemima. I would think maybe George Lucas could look at this moment and say, what can I contribute? Perhaps I could go back and re-edit a version of, what was that, episode one? That did not include Jar Jar Binks. And he, he wouldn't have to say, you know, this He's was in a all creative. of them. All three uh, of them. Shit. But it wasn't it diminishing. I'm picking up the line, is the we are gonna die? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I watched it pretty recently. Yeah, he says that, I think. I was like, what? I have a memory of that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait, so Russell, what was your question? What is happening? Is a gonna die? We's a gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> we have to, there's a way to combine it. Like maybe it's like Jar Jarmima Banks or something. Aunt Jarmima Banks. Oh no. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, Uncle Uncle, Uncle Banks. No. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Mrs. Binkleworth. <laughs> Oh God! Although I will say that one confuses me because everybody knows Miss Butterworth is white. Okay, <laughs> first of all, when I was little, I cried because she wouldn't talk to me like she did the kids on TV, <laughs> and I thought it was because she was racist and didn't like black kids. <laughs> I cried. My mom had to be like, "She's not real. You have to stop." Aunt Jemima would talk to you. Oh, Travis. <laughs> oh. I was like, she talks to the little white kids on TV. Like, That's not what happened. Yes. I appreciate your welcome. <laughs> little white kids are not real. That's just a commercial. Yeah, they all are not real. <laughs> all I was going to say about Star Wars and the reason that I thought of you is because you have a Rogue One poster on the wall behind you. Yeah. I love that poster. I love that you represent. I love that that's your selective representation of the Star Wars franchise as like a very enthusiastic Star Wars person. Because I had a conversation with a, a work friend of mine yesterday that really fully went off the rails immediately, as many of my conversations do, and became like mm-hmm. a really bizarre analogy for you know the district attorney's office is the Empire, and the rebels are public the Galactic Senate. Senate. Yes, <laughs> there there were a lot of analogies. Rebels are who? Uh, for the sake of this conversation and analogy uh and and i know you're going to take issue with this you know public defenders okay yeah i mean it was not a good analogy and that's not the reason that i bring this up it is a poor analogy it's a poor analogy and part of that person met public defenders part of this person is a public defender part of the reason with what agency I, I'm not. Listen, man. I'm not airing my professional. Travis came to fight. I'm trying. Bronx defenders, maybe they're the rebels. Bronx defenders could be the rebels. I'm trying to get to a story about Star Wars. 
I'll skip the analogy. Okay. <laughs> Love this, by the way. Back to it, and the conclusion was Rogue One is hands down the best Star Wars movie since 1982 or whatever. And don't at me. I think that that is a fully defensible position. And I was just curious because I agreed. My coworker and I agreed. I was just curious if you would be willing to go out on that limb with us. Why would you be conflicted? Or why are you conflicted? You mean better than like the Empire Strikes Back? Or what do you mean? Because that to me is like the definitive like this is how high we can go (laughs) and the rest kind of just slides down the hill here's how it goes if you really want to hear it here's top three star wars movies ever hot take Mm. come for me can i just say you have to distinguish between the movies you like best and the movies that are best like you can like a movie and recognize that it's not the best one I mean, that's fine, but for the sake of this argument... That was more for Emmy because Empire Strikes Back is not the best movie. You might like it best, but it's not the best movie. Agree, I disagree. Most, <laughs> I think most people would say... Here, here, I'll tell you what my what my top three would be, right? And I know that this is, this is going to be controversial, and I don't pretend, pretend to be an authority. This is an opinion matter, okay? Empire Strikes Back, number one. Mm-hmm. New Hope, number two. Uh-huh. Rogue One, number three. Ha! And I don't think I'm alone there because if you really think about Return of the Jedi, it's it's not that good. The Ewoks were very close to Jar Jar territory. <laughs> it's the Godfather 3 of Star Wars. It is. It is. Yeah. Wait, that, that was your analysis? That was your take? That's what I'm saying right now on the air without giving it much more thought with that okay all right because i just don't think that rogue one really gets appreciated very much no it does not it's just you well, know it, it's, also, it's a standalone there's no it's only there's nothing else to it just the one thing but that's what the like most it. about it exactly that's the beauty of it it's not this like never-ending saga when they have to keep making up excuses about what the war is going on although i will make it an argument that what was the one um uh, the most recent one. What was it? The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, the, second, the second one of those three. What was that? Rise oh, of Skywalker. Um, Not the third one. The second one. I know. The Last Jedi. Last Jedi. Okay. Yeah. That one was really good in terms of content and mythology because they finally exposed the fact that it was arms dealers who were the real villains because this this war without end is bullshit because that's been my mm-hmm. issue. I was like, now you got nine, 10, 12 movies and infinite spinoffs for a war that should have ended a long time ago. And it really now has just become like a military industrial complex. And that was the first movie that mentioned that, which changed, shifted the focus away from the empire and towards private interests who were profiting right. from a war, which mm-hmm. I thought was a very bold political statement for a star and a very self-aware statement for a Star Wars movie. Right. In which case, I might even put that one after Rogue One above Jedi. But again, causing controversy as statements. Above Jedi? No, I'm sorry. No. Neck and neck, maybe. Neck and neck. No. Yeah. It was good, but not that good. The problem with Jedi is that I have a childhood affinity for it because it was the first Star Wars movie I saw, and I was a little kid, and it was kind of a movie for little kids. Mm hmm. I was really drawn to it and I thought it was, you know, all the Ewoks were cute and all that garbage. But my adult lens looks back at it and thinks that my child self was a goddamn fool. 
<laughs> when I finally come to. I don't know. I, I, have to, I have to rewatch it. I don't. I don't know. Here's my. Here's here's what I'm building towards. Is this theory enough to get me back on Geek Force? Okay. Probably, but um, you would have to probably do a little bit more research. Just saying. They make you work for it. A little bit. That's where the that's no beef. Oh my god. No, I'm just saying, I'm just saying Raven is like the quintessential Star Wars fan. Like he like like he puts Clone Wars over everything. That's how I know how good he is, because he puts that, that there. Everything. Yes. So when you when you come to Star Wars territory, you gotta be prepared to either fight or play. Like I'm just saying well, I like to be again, I like to be the butthead in the room. I like to be the foil. You know what I mean? You I enjoy it. So I don't know why you get mad about it. I don't get mad about it. I just, I understand my gifts. You know what I mean? Like, uh... <laughs> He's like, the fact that I'm annoying is why I should be annoying. <laughs> exactly. It's part of it. It's what I give to the conversation. Don't well, avoid me because I'm annoying and I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, next time there's like Star Wars news, I will mention you. Okay. All right. That's fair. There isn't isn't any right now that I'm aware of. Travis, this is what I have to go through to get (laughs) on the show. I asked to come on the show. She's like, oh, my Next time there's Star Wars news, I'll ask about it. Do you want to sit there and listen to game, uh, video game for like 30 minutes? You would have been lost so badly if you came on last time. If you didn't have any like issues with your with your Zoom account, you would sit there and be like, what the fuck are they talking about? Because you wouldn't know. So it's not, I mean, yes, come on. But like some topics you have nothing, probably no opinion on. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, oh, just, I can muster I'm being Daria realistic. <laughs> I don't need to be informed to have an opinion. That's outrageous. <laughs> Who do you take me for? Oh my God. <laughs> this is the, oh yeah. You're going to love your little uh, shout out this week. I know that yes. much. Have you heard this Travis? That, it, that apparently it's getting a little bit of traction or our staged rivalry. I, I can't yeah. wait. I'm here for it. I, I, I told them I can do to stoke these fires. Yes. You yes. know how I can make Why do you guys fire? hate me so much? Why do you put me in the middle of this shit? <laughs> yeah, you do. I, I don't enjoy this. This is not fun for me. Oh, I love. You know, I conflict. You should see my hate. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's a threat. That's a threat. I get it. Like my favorite people in them. Um, beef is good. Beef keeps when people produce their best stuff. Exactly. That was my whole justification. It was like Dre and Easy, you know, they made great music out of that rivalry. Jay-Z and Nas made some of the best career. You know, it's like you need that. You know what I mean? Those guys that were in the, the movie about the Ford versus Ferrari. You know what I'm saying? I, we got to have rivals and foils in order to do our best. Okay. You know, well, tomorrow... Parties, the first Most 20 minutes remember. you get a mention is definitely about the rivalry. So enjoy your hard work paid off. I will. I will. I, I like to think that I'm the Mozart here and they're the Italian guy that tried to kill Mozart. Okay. That's. Okay. <laughs> I'm the Mozart here. There's like a world of analogies you could have used. <laughs> I went straight for Amadeus. Okay. Couldn't you just stuck with butthead and just left it there? 
Listen, my name is Butthead Amadez Mozart. <laughs> I always wondered who the show Beavis and Butthead was made for, and now <laughs> enter stage right, Russell yeah, And then MTV very quickly graduated us from Beavis and Butthead to Jackass. There was no yeah. break. Yeah, it was just. <laughs> and again, I was like, "Who is this show for? Who are these people?" You, you watch Jackass? That's so sad. Well, Jackass. If, if you really want to get on some Geek Squad shit and you want to talk about art. That has inspired our lives. Oh my god! First of all, Jackass is art. Okay. No. First of all, I second of all, basic premise of this. Disagree. I will, first of all, okay. First Talking of all, this is my my thirty second uh, defense of Jackass as art. I don't know if you saw Jackass three D, Travis, but certainly you know that I did not. <laughs> okay. Well, as Herbert Spencer once said, oh. man's greatest opposition. <laughs> Man's greatest flaw, man's greatest curse, contempt prior to investigation, all right? Contempt prior to investigation is a problem. If you want to have an opinion about jackass, you have to experience jackass. And I would say start- I need to be informed to have an opinion. <laughs> That's preposterous. <laughs> Let me just say, here's the piece of art that jackass produced that should be in the moment. Um, they had a camera attached to... Um, a, a giant veiny dildo, right? That they fired out of a gun and they filmed at a really, really high speed. So you can do that super duper high def slow-mo so that you walk, you're basically watching, it's the 2001 song and you're watching this dildo get flamed out of a cannon and fly through the air and wobble as you would imagine it would in super slow motion uh, and then collide in super, super slow motion into the side of someone's face as it's, you know, in, in super slow motion. And if you don't think that's like the height of surrealist 21st century video art, or at least an entry in 21st century video art, I, you know, I would think that you weren't being truthful. Is that not a video that you think has some artistic merit? Who are you asking? I haven't heard the answer from anyone. It's open to the um, As an artist, certainly it was created. It was made. It didn't exist, and now it does. It is art. The only reason I suggest that and the only reason I brought up Jackass is when you talk about formative art, okay, art that had an influence on you, stuff that you love, pop culture stuff, I really, and I look at my own personal development, it is a direct line from Calvin and Hobbes to Jackass. <laughs> and I think that there is a lot of uh, personal exploration that can be drawn from that. Although- I learned a lot about Russell this evening. Although both of you seem very disappointed. <laughs> a little bit. Actually, when I think of um, Calvin and Hobbes meets Jackass is actually a very brilliant way to describe you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. He's right. Thank you. It like almost leaves nothing out. <laughs> I'll take it. Actually, I'll Nothing that it. I can say about you uh, could come closer to describing you. Than... <laughs> I, I understand that this is not a very thinly failed um, insult but i'll take it because it 
lines up with my own self-perception. I don't even think of it as an insult. It's just sort of like, no. It's just that is how we got it. (laughs) (laughs) That actually explains your development better than I ever could. Yep. Blame the funny papers and MTV. Just like uh, yeah. (laughs) Although the one great public service that MTV did was they uh made uh, teenage pregnancy numbers drop with their 16 and pregnant show. Yeah, they and certainly I, made that not look fun. I think they can make <laughs> full credit for changing our numbers on teenage pregnancy. Probably. <laughs> they really made it not look fun. Yeah, I think that's great. That did way more than anybody else did going into a gymnasium and, you know, telling people to use condoms or whatever. Yes, you're like, this person doesn't even have sex. Why am I listening to you? Maybe even more, if we can look at the data here, do kind of a Freakonomics thing here, but maybe even more than the birth control pill. <laughs> I think that's right. Hot takes. Hot takes tonight. All right. Thanks my, for my joining hit. Margin Call. See you next week. <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for staying with us for the inaugural episode of Margin Call Off the Record slash Off the Rails. I suppose now, listeners, you can be the judge about whether it should be off the record or off the rails <laughs> now that you've heard it. Um, but it was a special episode, a lot of fun. Special thanks again uh, to Travis for coming out. And once again, a very, very happy unbirthday to him. Half birthday, unbirthday. Every day, somebody's unbirthday. Uh, and as always, special shout out to our producer. Keeps us sounding good. Keeps us on task. And tolerated quite a lot of shenanigans in this episode. I think, I think, Eamon, you deserve an extra special shout out this time around. <laughs> there were shots fired, personal oh, yes. attacks. You are very, very, very good at getting under my skin. Congratulations. <laughs> nice, nice. Maybe it's margin call under Eaming's skin. Maybe that would be... No, that. <laughs> that. No one is going to... Yes. New. Well, if, if, I, if I may say so, you handled it with aplomb. Email. So special thanks to you. Uh, and thanks once again to Travis, our special half birthday boy guest. Uh, thanks to all of our listeners for hanging in there with us. Until next time, Quest On, everybody. This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.